Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome to the May edition of The Compliance Life. This month I visit with Mark Beyer, Mark is the Chief Compliance Officer at the Pernalis Electrical Cooperative in the Hill Country of Texas. It is the largest electrical distribution cooperative in the United States. Mark has a very non-traditional background and journey to the CCO chair. He also has developed a compliance toolkit that he's learned in his various jobs leading up to his role as the CCO. I know you'll enjoy this month. In part three, Mark moves to the medical device arena and works under Hugh Bigwood. The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a chief compliance officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll be right back with Mark Beyer on The Compliance Life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for episode three in our May series of The Compliance Live. I once again have with me, back with me, Mark Byer. Mark, first of all, welcome back. Thank you very much. Mark, as we ended episode two, you uh, detailed your work at Becker Hughes, an oil field service company, and you also told us that uh, you were really interested in uh, working with a company that you felt uh, had a mission 
and about um, uh, and clear evidence of doing good. So I was wondering if you could tell us uh, where you went after Baker Hughes. Uh, wanting to move back towards a more mission-focused um, company uh, approach, I guess. Um, I, I, I found or came across the opportunity to join uh, a company um, called Livanova. Um, it's a medical device company headquartered out of the UK, uh, but um, their US headquarters was based outside of Houston. So convenient for me, um, smaller company than I was used to coming out of Lockheed at the time, you know, over 100,000 employees. Uh, Baker, I want to say, had 60,000 or so employees at the time. Um, Livanova, at the, when I was there at least, they had, you know, less than 4,000, I want to say, employees globally. Um, but uh, uh, smaller organization, and, and I really learned to the importance of, of, of having to wear more more hats, so to speak, right? Having to having to do more with less. Um, uh, I came on as the head of ethics and compliance for North America, um, and so that was uh, uh, for Livanova. It was Canada, U.S. Uh, Canada and U.S. primarily. Um, you know, I, I went there, like I said, to feel kind of good, feel good about the company's mission. Um, what and what can be better than saving people's lives? And that's that's really what Livanova did. They made you know heart valves, they made heart lung machines. Um, they also were in the neuromodulation space with uh, with you know epilepsy with a neuromodulation device that that uh, helped with uh, epilepsy patients or certain epilepsy patients. And so. Um, really went to wanted to feel connected to patients, connected to the patient experience and the benefit that those products um, had on on patients. Um, quickly learned uh, that the industry was a lot different than you kind of expect from a, from you know looking on the, from the outside. Um, you know the role of of sales in a, in an organization in a medical device organization, uh, the role of clinical research. Um, you know the importance they play on. Um, you know, influencing the decisions of the organization and then the strategy of an organization, the importance of each sale, um, ultimately to the to the to the end of the quarter and the financial health of the organization and the the importance of clinical strategy and clinical success to the uh, finances of the organization, all that stuff um, and kind of getting involved in that and seeing that from a compliance perspective was was uh, very um, interesting um, and it took a little bit of a learning curve, but. Um, quickly got there. Uh, also a very unique um, industry in terms of compliance because of the sunshine laws that exist in the medical in the medical device and pharma uh, side as well. Having to navigate through that basically, um, you know, where, when the government you know, imposes, you know, transparency requirements um, on, on where money is spent, um, you know, things like grant money, um, you know, even down to the to the to the lunches and, and you know, dinners that you know, we, sales reps have with with customers um, having to, to to track all that information, report all that information, um, use that information to benefit your compliance program. Um, all that was new and and something that I I, I learned uh, real quickly. Uh, you could talk about some of the um, uh, really oversight aspects uh, for North America, but I was actually more intrigued by your just last phrase: use that information. Uh, because that's a part of continuous monitoring, so uh, which the DOJ's more formally staked out in the last few years. But when you talk about using information to help improve or at least assess your compliance program, could you elaborate uh, maybe with an example or two? 
really a, a good place to be at where the where essentially the government um, requires you know all this data tracking and data management um, in terms of where you know finances are spent where money is spent who, who it's being spent on um, all that stuff uh, it's a shame not to use that data um, uh, in a proactive way and so uh, many organizations in the med area and med, med device area and pharma area that they're, they're accustomed to using that information just just for that purpose with compliance monitoring um, auditing which is kind of a look back but but also you know just monitoring and and and, and regulating the process in, in in almost real time in a sense and so getting there is always the the challenge and 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 that was one uh, thing that we were one direct area that we were working towards was to better utilize our sunshine data that we were acquiring we were having to acquire and having to report but um, finding the, the unique and and um, um, uh, value, you know, finding value in that data on a, to the organization in other ways um, was one of the uh, tasks that I, I had at, at the time. Mark, as our audience is now aware, uh, at every place you've worked, you've uh, expanded your compliance toolkit. So I was wondering if uh, you had that opportunity at uh, Livanova, and uh, if so, uh, how did you uh, uh, expand your compliance toolkit, and what did you learn? Yeah, so at Baker Hughes, I kind of started to expand a little bit beyond trade compliance, but I didn't go too far. Uh, Livanova, I really went the other direction, went, went, <laughs> went all the way, right? Um, trade compliance wasn't um, generally a high risk um, for Livanova because... Uh, generally, generally speaking, the devices that were manufactured in country were, were sold in country. So there wasn't a lot of cross-border um, activity being done. Uh, there were in certain pockets in certain risky areas, but uh, generally speaking, trade compliance wasn't you know the primary role that I, I, I had. It was more on the ethics side um, and, and, and more on the on the medical device, you know regulatory compliance side uh, the side. Um, and so I really had to kind of learn the holistic, you know, bigger picture role of ethics and compliance in an organization beyond just the kind of pocket of trade compliance. Um, also, it's really where my first opportunity to work closer or closely with the, the C-suite. Um, lucky enough to have a, a CEO that was accessible, lucky to have general counsel that, 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 uh, that trusted us and allowed us to, um, you know, allowed me to, 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 you know, participate and 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 have a have a, a role in some cases and and and, and communicate into the C-suite where we're needed. Um, lucky enough to have a a, um, a leader that that was that was trusting as well. So a um, lot of a lot of great experiences. Um, I, I um, uh, had a, a mentor from Livanova, uh, Hugh the Bigwood. I he. He was located in, in, in um, the UK, um, and he was. Uh, I learned a tremendous amount uh, from him. He was our um, compliance um, head of compliance, our, our chief compliance officer at the time at, at Livanova, um, and uh, he 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 introduced me to a new side of <laughs> of the compliance world. I think um, he kind of he, he he thought about things in a very creative, very uh, different way. Um, I learned creativity and compliance there. I would say um, very behavioral science, um, uh, va you know, values-oriented kind of approaches to things. Uh, he uh, looked at compliance similar to like you know uh, sales or, or marketing in a sense where 
um, non-traditional or you know, approaches, uh, trying to apply untraditional approaches to compliance, like uh, for instance, you know, looking at how teachers teach kids, and so that we can kind of use strategies like that to to maybe apply to adult learning. Looking at um, how marketing uses nudges and other behavioral science tactics to try to change employee behavior in certain areas or prevent employees from making bad decisions. More importantly, um, design thinking. You know, typically on an engineering from an engineering perspective, maybe from a safety perspective, but looking at it as a in, in, from how can benefit compliance, um, focusing on 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 what works, you know, to change behavior rather than, you know, kind of being the police of the of the company, which kind of oftentimes compliance, uh, I've I found, kind of finds itself into sometimes where where you know employees think of you as a, as the the police and you're out to get us. Um, Hugh really taught us how to kind of partner with the business from a creative way and 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 take a more behavioral change uh, behavioral science change approach to it i'm glad you brought up hugh uh hugh bigwood is uh probably one of the top five compliance professionals i've ever met i have interviewed him a couple of times and the breadth and scope of his knowledge was just stunning to me uh and the other thing that stunned me was really he, he was, seemed to be open to mentorship the world, and he loved sharing about the concept you've talked about. Uh, he's really one of the most under-the-radar resources I have ever met in compliance. He's incredibly dynamic, and like I said, I've had the chance to interview him a couple of times, and I've always walked away uh, IQ points smarter than when I, when I started. Uh, so with that kind of uh, uh, my view on Hugh, um, what was he? What was he like to work with or, or, or work for? You've talked about him in terms of a mentor, but what was uh, what was it like in terms of hit him or he being your uh, manager? Relaxing, I would say, would be one word, only because of the way he managed he he managed a team. You did not. You've always felt comfortable um, getting creative and trying new things um, and not being judged. Uh, potentially for the ideas that came out because nothing was too crazy for, for Hugh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if anyone knows him, you know, he's, 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 uh, he's always looking for the, for the most creative ways to solve problems. Um, and he comes up with a lot of it, but he also finds ways to pull it out of his team as, as well. And so, um, and, and, and it's, it's amazing how much time he puts into, to you as an as an individual, um, to helping helping guide you down the right path, and, and um, he knew early on my personality and my style. I'm a very rules based person, very kind of structured, black and white, you know, approach to life <laughs> kind of person. And he knew that, and he taught me um, one of the bigger lessons I've ever ha learned, which is uh, having to adjust who I am or how I kind of see people and see how other people work. Um, so that I don't look at it through my lens, so that I can look at it through theirs, right? So I have to kind of force myself to to not um, approach things in my way, but instead try to meet people where they are. Um, and Hugh taught me that. Uh, Hugh taught me the importance of that, and and he's a uh, has been a big big part of my career uh, so far. Uh, the other concept you mentioned, uh, which frankly, not many people in compliance talk about, is design thinking. And I've written on design thinking, I've podcasted on design thinking, I've done design thinking, 
And I think design thinking is a great format or structure to think through not only your compliance program, but uh, improving your compliance program. So I was wondering if you could give a few thoughts on your perspective of how the compliance professional can use any or all of the steps in design thinking to help improve their overall compliance program. I mean, anytime, I mean, compliance, where you can fit it in from a process perspective and think about how the process fits in um, to the business and how the process, how people up, uh, apply those steps in reality, um, you're you're better off than you than you would be just saying do this because I said so, right? So if if you're if you're um, kind of building um, building it in line, you're you're going to get a lot better results. Um, and, and and what we're trying to accomplish, which is hopefully uh, preventing bad behavior rather than waiting for it to happen and just um, just catching it and, and, and disciplining people after the fact, right? So if the process is is thought through. Um, designed well, built well, uh, communicated well, um, and efficient, uh, where you have, you know, the right value added steps in the, in the right places. Um, and, and you show people that are doing, that are performing these steps that you thought through this and that we thought through this as a team, um, you're going to get a lot better buy-in. You're going to get a lot, um, uh, better, uh, compliance, a lot more success in terms of, of people following the, following down the path you're wanting them to follow. So, um, it's just one tool in, in the process. It doesn't apply in every situation, of course, because um, you know a lot of areas of compliance, as we all know, is, is really case by case. So, so process kind of um, is, is challenging to, to implement um, from a repeating standpoint. But um, where you can, um, I've always found it successful, and it's something that I've always I've always tried to apply um, in procedural thinking. Mark, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. Uh, but I hope our listeners will join us uh, for our fourth and final episode where you move into the CCO chair in one of the more unique jobs in compliance that we'll uh, get into. But before we leave, I was wondering if our listeners uh, wanted any more information on yourself or any of the topics you've touched on, what would be the best way for them to find out? Yeah, you can go to my, my LinkedIn profile or you can just email me mark.buyer at peci.com. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another episode in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.